Sevo, and welcome to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, July 4th, 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do start and engage in um, conversations. <laughs> we are shooting for a different kind of uh, enlightenment. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers. We don't do Buffalo speeches, and we don't do spirituality shows. We uh, take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We uh, talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We'll take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us. And we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that uh, our... Um, we are streaming live video of this show via Facebook Live on um, various Facebook group pages, and, and we take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel. So uh, for those of you who aren't watching it live and are catching us after the fact, uh, again, welcome to YouTube. Um, we also take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, so it's available as a podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. And so I encourage people to subscribe to our YouTube channel. By the way, uh, you know, as a little inducement, as it stands today, right now, we are at 799 members on our YouTube channel. So the next person who, who subscribes is our 800th. No, we don't give you a car or anything. So, <laughs> but uh, you do, you do get the bragging rights to say that you are the 800th member of our uh, uh, of our uh, our Facebook or our, I'm sorry, our YouTube channel. Um, but I also encourage people to subscribe to our, our podcast, and then you can catch all of our shows. And that includes the shows that we do in New York. And we use our studio here because of the COVID-19 pandemic. We are not traveling to New York the way uh, we have in the past. We do the show he uh, from here. Uh, so your subscription to our, uh, you know, to our podcast includes our, our show from WBAI in New York City as well. Um, I've got a few things I'm going to talk about today. Uh, it's the 4th of July, and so I've got to share some real, honest truth about what the 4th of July is and what it commemorates. Everybody thinks that it, you know, it, it's about the, you know, becoming independent, you know, the United States you know, asserting its independence. Yeah, look, it's, it's a document that was signed on a day, on, on the 4th of July in 1776, and it is touted as the Declaration of Independence, but... For us, it's really a declaration of war against Native people. And, and I'm going to elaborate on that as, and spend a good deal of time talking about that uh, during the show. Uh, I also have to discuss what seems to be almost a whirlwind of activity as it relates to uh, mascots uh, with the Washington football team finally taking some financial hits for their, their racist uh, name, their, the racial slur that is their name. So I'll talk about that a little bit. But I've got to start off the show by talking about um, uh, my good friend, Neville Spring. Neville passed away yesterday, uh, last, uh, essentially last night, uh, and at 80 years old. And I would not be doing this show here today if it wasn't for Neville Spring. And, and I'll explain. In the early days, not only of the show, uh, when I was paying for airtime on commercial radio, Neville was one of the sponsors. And it wasn't just Neville. It, it was his it was entire family. Even uh, his, his daughter, who had a separate shop, 
there was uh, there was sponsorship that came from the Spring family in ways that made not only the first years of Let's Talk Native possible, but uh, it allowed us to to build what we're doing to the point where today we're almost into our eleventh year. But Neville's support for what I do started earlier than that. I was writing a column for the, the Turo Times. Before that, I was I was writing on a regular basis and posting up things sometimes several times a week on on my blog, which was Let's Talk Native Pride. Blogspot.com. There's you can still pull it up and uh, and find a lot of the stuff that I, that I had written. Neville used to print out the the articles that I would write. He would print them out and cut them up and and put them on his counter at his store in, on the Tonawanda uh, Seneca Territory. He would print them out, literally print them out as either uh, like pamphlets and, and put them out on the counter for people to pick up. Not only did, did Neville offer his insights, sometimes his criticisms, uh, on what I had written, he shared what we written. And, and, of course, my relationship with Neville goes way before that. It, it involved fighting in New York State on taxes. I, I, I recall when we led a demonstration to Albany. We called it the Albany Tea Party. Uh, Neville paid for buses and brought busloads of people all wearing purple shirts with the Hiawatha belt across it. And, and that's, you know, that's what Neville was involved in. And like I said, I, I wouldn't be doing this show and so much of the fight that I've been involved in over the last you know, 30 years has involved Neville Spring. And, and of course, he was involved in things, you know, and our paths didn't line up till, you know, till about 30 years ago. But he was engaged and always promoted uh, Native issues, Native rights. Um, oftentimes, it put him in, in, in a tough spot politically on a, on a territory that wasn't always uh, didn't always embrace his uh, his ideas and his views, but he he forged ahead. He, he raised a, a you know great family. Uh, you can't think of Neville Spring without thinking of family. Uh, I feel honored to have been uh, to, that I was reached out to by a couple of members of the family. We knew this was coming. Uh, I met with Neville over a year ago when he when he told me about his, his cancer diagnosis, and at that time I think they were only giving him six to nine months. And of course he he pushed it beyond that pretty well. But as much as we've maintained, you know, sometimes real frequent conversations and and, and contact with each other, it has been almost about three weeks since since we actually. Uh, you know, he actually called up. He wanted to know what was going on with an accident he heard about that took place here um, uh, near the uh, the Cattaraugus territory. But the last couple of weeks, the last week in particular, were, were really, really tough. And I know for the family, in, in the conversations that I've had, uh, that his passing was, was a bit of a relief. It was a relief that they could ex- experience, uh, that, that a relief from the pain that he was experiencing. But... I don't think that we can frame any part of Neville Spring's life around the loss. If you didn't know him, you probably still were impacted by, uh, by some of the work he did. 
And if you did know him, then you have benefited from knowing him. We all have. And I, even with the passing of Neville Spring, I will not look at at his life as something taken from uh, from us. We were all we all benefited again from 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 his life, and he was a gift to us. And all gifts have their time. And so I I wanted to open up this show and really talk about how much Neville Spring meant to me. Uh, remind people in case you forgot how much he may have meant to you. I know for everybody who's been in business on Native territories, including on either side of that imaginary line, you know, Neville was one of the guys. He was one of the guys who was at the at the at the forefront of of the battles with the, over taxation, whether it was the IRS or whether it was New York State Department of Taxation and Finance. He was always one of those guys. Um, he was a retailer, and uh, was a again was a big player when it came to promoting native brands and uh, and and you know and native products. So. You know, we all owe a debt of gratitude to to Neville Spring. And as we keep on the fight, that's how we pay it back. Because it's not paying it back, it's paying it forward. And that's what Neville Spring did. And so I want to thank, I want to thank him. I also want to thank his family for sharing him with me. I mean, because I know many of the folks in uh, in Neville's family know how close we had become and and how much we, you know, how much we cared for each other. So I felt like I was embraced not only by the whole family, but, but I got to share, uh, the, the experiences. I mean, I'll, you know, the, the things that I will miss are, is going out to Tonawanda and, and, you know, letting him know I was at the char pit and he'd come over and he'd, uh, and, and we'd spend, spend time together, spend hours talking about various things. And it wasn't always even native stuff. I mean, we would, we would have conversations that would, um, you know, span any any number of topics. So, uh, on this day, while people are celebrating other things, I I want to use some portion of this day and some portion of the show to celebrate the life of Neville Spring. Rest in peace, and um, thanks, thanks. All right, now I want to get into the. Um, this notion of freedom, uh, of independence, a declaration of independence. There are pieces of the Declaration of Independence that you know people have become somewhat familiar with, and and of course, us being referenced by Thomas Jefferson as merciless Indian savages. And and in case you don't know that passage, you know the way the, the Declaration of Independence reads, and 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 of course it it is. It begins with hypocrisy, you know, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of God's, uh, of nature's God entitles them. A decent respect to the opinion of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Well, then we start to get into what I think is just pure BS. For a bunch of white men to sit there and talk about 
acknowledging you know a self-evident truth that all men are created equal as they held slaves and as they would continue with this document would reduce native people to you know to to a descriptor as as merciless indian savages well it doesn't sound like you thought we were equal and so to open this thing up with this 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 self-evident truth it should have been self-evident but to these white men that were not just pursuing freedom they were pursuing greed that's what they were pursuing and i think that's what is, is it's really necessary that people understand that uh yeah we hold these truths to be self that all men uh, uh are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness well without and i'm not gonna read this whole thing trust me but you know what if you're gonna declare a holiday on the basis of this document then perhaps somebody should read it i mean i i i'm still met every day with people who don't realize that thomas jefferson referred to us as merciless indian savages in the uh in 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 this declaration see what he did is, is he makes these these assertions and then tries to make his case. Let this facts be submitted to a candid world, as he, uh, as he you know, put it out there. But he talked about all the things that the, that the king was doing, that, all the evil things, all these, these things that warranted this declaration of independence or separation. And among the these is, he has excited domestic insurrection among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. The part that really fries my, my ass about this is that Native people had never experienced the ruthlessness, the, the murder, and the savagery that was, that was demonstrated by, by Europeans, by, by British, by, by the Englishmen. Uh, the, the Pequot Wars. I mean, some of the things that were done, the decapitations and the mounting of, of heads on poles, the murder of women and children. And, and that wouldn't just be with the, the colonists. It would go on for, for 100 years, uh, you know, over 100 years past that. So to hear Thomas Jefferson refer to us as the merciless Indian savages with, with this uh, undistinguished destruction our, you know, warfare with undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. It is not just—it's not just a pot calling the kettle black. It is—is is them being absolutely hypocritical, absolutely hypocritical. And of course, they talk about the frontier, and that frontier that they claimed was theirs was the the line that they wanted to cross. And, you know, so not only are we referred to as merciless Indian savages, and that's the, one of the last complaints that, that Jefferson lists. But among, the, among one of the first ones is that, and again, when he say he, he's referring to the king, he says, he has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, meaning the 13 colonies, for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migration hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriation of lands. So, if you don't know what that means, 
What the colonists were saying is that the king was no longer allowing a flood of people from other countries to populate these colonies, which would have not only created colonies that were not loyal to the crown because they were coming from other countries. In fact, some of these colonists were specifically trying to encourage the immigration of, uh, of other European countries who were at war or certainly had hostilities towards the, the crown, the, the British crown. But they also, in this passage, raised the issue that the king of England had stopped the encroachment onto native territories. This is, lies at one of the, the principal reasons for this Declaration of Independence. Now, when I call this Declaration of Independence a Declaration of War, first and foremost, people think, oh yeah, they declared war against Great Britain. No, no, they didn't. Let's, let's be clear. The colonists were not trying to conquer Great Britain. They were trying to separate from Great Britain so they could declare war on us. So this Declaration of Independence was a declaration of war against indigenous people. And if you don't believe it, read it through and understand. Talk to somebody. Try to interpret what this is really saying. But there is no question that the colonists were pissed that the king had put the brakes on expansion into native territories. And, and they had. I mean, the, the king had issued the Royal Proclamation of uh, 1763, which, which was an attempt by... Uh, you know, by Great Britain to to minimize conflicts with native people, because that wasn't something that that the king wanted to engage in at that point. War is expensive, and in fact, all of the complaints that you that that you're taught in grade school about taxation without representation. Great Britain wasn't getting rich off of the colonies, what they, and, but they were taxing them. And they were taxing them to secure the frontiers. And the, the, what they were taxing for was so they could, they could keep not only native people from reclaiming their lands back, but also to try to keep settlers from going into native territories to instigate war. So... This is what the colonists were pissed off. They were, they were pissed that they were having to pay taxes. Um, they, having to pay taxes to, to the, uh, the British for keeping them from going from westward expansion. That was a direct complaint that the colonists had. And what, the, what, what the Great Britain was really trying to do was trying to raise militias that would secure the frontier. Not expand it, but secure it. But this pissed off the colonists. So this Declaration of Independence, the reason they wanted separation from Great Britain, specifically was to put their sights on us. So while everybody is declaring 4th of July Independence Day, there was no independence uh, established on that day. A document was signed. A document that when you read it is rife with hypocrisy and racism. I mean, when, when you talk about all men are created equal and, and that we're, we're all endowed by our creator, you know, with certain unalienable rights, the right to pursue happiness, you know, freedom, the freedom that people talk about associated with the Declaration of Independence 
was freedom for white people that came at the cost of black people and native people. Make no mistake about it. This is about taking freedom away, building an economy on free labor from, uh, from enslaved native people and black people. And by the way, that was also an issue because much of the rest of the world was already moving away from this idea of slavery. There were, uh, there were other countries that were becoming more enlightened about you know, what, what, the, uh, what real inalienable rights were. But not the not the thirteen colonies. They they depended on 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 the the slavery, the enslavement of native people and black people, and of course the theft of our lands. That's what this was all about. And Thomas Jefferson was was a principal in all this. I mean, it's easy for people to connect uh, Andrew Jackson with with the removal period and the removal act. Thomas Jefferson, even with this document, even with the Declaration of Independence began to assert that and lay that foundation for the removal of native people. That's why in their birth document, we are referred to as merciless Indian savages. There was already this necessity of Jefferson and the founding fathers of the, of these thir- of the United States to dehumanize us, to insult us, and to establish propaganda against us. I mean, and ironically, for many years, Native people were the ones, when Europeans referred to Americans, they were talking about, I mean, it was an insult to refer to a white man as an American. When they referred to Americans, they were talking about us. I'm not saying that we embrace that name, by the way. But when white people referred to Americans, for many, many years, the Americans were the Native people. They were the inhabitants of uh, you know the original inhabitants of what they were calling America. So they called us Americans. They called us Indians. They called us all kinds of stuff. And we'll get into a little bit more of that later on in the show. But when trying to make their case for separation, one of the things that they did, and they they adopted some principles from the Haudenosaunee. Now I know some people want to say, "Well, they they copied our Constitution." I won't go that far. And, and in fact, they used language. That they that they learned from us, you know, principles that they learned from us, not to adopt them practically, but to use them to make an argument that part of the reason that they needed to separate from Great Britain was because they were establishing a government of that land, our land, and what better way to establish a government of our land than by using our systems using some of our language, our rhetoric, our theories about governance. So that's what they did. Of course, they left out things like you know, or the racism that they, um, they held towards Native people and Black people, the, uh, the misogyny they, they practiced against women. I mean, so much of other stuff. And, and of course, people will read this Declaration of Independence and the, and the, the U.S. Constitution and tout these things as these great historical documents, these reverent documents. But you know what? They're not. If you read them, you, you see that they're full of bullshit. And, that's, and that's, just a, that's just a matter of truth. So while people want to celebrate the 4th of July as some sort of uh, calendar date 
something that marks this this momentous occasion where the colonies became separated from England. Hey, for one thing, it didn't happen on that day. Just a bunch of bunch of white guys signed a paper. That's what happened on that day. How it was going to come, play out and and what they would do to establish that separation, who who they would swindle, who would they who they would con including other European uh, countries. They I mean, it is the ultimate form of treason. I mean, in many ways, what the colonists did to, uh, to, to Great Britain was commit treason against them. And kind of what the South tried to do to the, uh, you know, to, to the United States in, in the Civil War. And I'm not trying to brag up the South for what they did. I'm just saying it, it's all treason. And, and today, it, it, there's a certain irony that even then, these white men, these uh, aristocrats, arist- these aristocrats, um, aristocrats. I'm sorry, aristocrats, <laughs> aristocrats. I, see Disney. See what they do. Uh, <laughs> these aristocrats that were these colonists. I don't mean British men. The, the the ones who saw the dollar signs that were available. They knew how valuable it would would be to bring in people from other countries because. They didn't want more British. They didn't want more Brits to come. They wanted to convince everybody they could that this was the opportunity for people to get rich. So bail on your country, bail on France, bail on Spain, bail on uh, you know on Holland, you know Germany. You know when when the Revolutionary War starts, there are pockets of you know there there are Germans, there are uh, you know French, there are all these other countries that. And it wasn't because they were in love with colonists. They were all getting ready to get paid. This is all about getting paid. It's, there is, all of these things are romanticized and embellished and, and rewritten in such a way to take all the truth out of it. And the hypocrisy of it all, when you, when you hear you know, uh, guys like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Adams and all these guys talk out of two sides of the face, depending on who they're talking to. I mean, they lied directly to native people. I mean, they flat out lied to us, made promises and overtures. They, they made overtures to the, to the Lenape in their first treaty with the, with the Lenape about trying to establish a, a native state. And of course, they, that was just, just like with every treaty, the United States ever ever entered into, none of them were honest uh, uh, negotiations. None of them, they were all lies. It was all fraud. Every treaty the United States ever entered into with Native people was, was an act of fraud. Now, why do I say that? Not just because the treaties were broken, but that they were, the intent was to break them. There was never a treaty signed with any Native people that the United States didn't intend to break. They knew that we're going to do this to solve a problem today. We're going to tell them this stuff. We're going to pay them. Look, there's the letter from uh, from Thomas Jefferson to um, uh, um, uh, Henry Harrison, who would be the the, the shortest uh, presidency in the history of the United States, by the way. But And he was the governor of Indiana Territory. And he says, look, we've got to convince these Native people that we love them. We need to cultivate their love towards us. We need to do that. We need to convince them that everything we do with them 
is out of our graciousness and that and uh, these are all the liberalities he calls it that we uh, because of because of the goodness that we possess and, and so that's what Thomas Jefferson was trying to he said, in fact we need to trade with them and, and encourage trade with especially the most influential native people let's encourage trade with them and you know what let's give them credit let's let, run them in the debt in fact don't try to make a bunch of money off the trade with them sell sell them stuff at cost that's what that's what he was telling that's what he was telling the, the the governor of indiana to you know make sure the shops do not make a bunch of money we'll we'll compensate them but the main thing is sell them more than they need and certainly sell them more than they can pay for and tell them it's because we love them and when they can't pay it back that's when we we convince them to, to lop to lop off that debt with their land that's literally the language that, that Thomas Jefferson, the enlightened one, right? This is supposed to, this is supposed to be the nice guy. <laughs> but he was the most cunning and deceitful among the most cunning and deceitful. Because he would be, again, to our face would tell us one thing, but behind our backs, it was always about, we'll crush them. We'll, look, if they want to maintain their identity, we'll either run them out of here, we'll, we'll chase them to the other side of the Mississippi, or we'll just kill them. But if they want to become us, look, we, somebody's got to be at the bottom. Somebody's got to be at the bottom of our social classes. So, yeah, you know, we'll, you know, we'll uh, let them marry a few of our men. You know, some guys like, the, like those Indian girls. <laughs> and so today we listen to person after person after person brag about how their great-great-great-grandmother was a Cherokee princess. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of white men who tried like hell to to rape not only their slaves but to, uh, to rape native women. It's it, it's amazing because at the same time these same white men would, would view native people and black people as somehow subhuman. They sure as hell didn't mind having sex with them, isn't that right, Thomas Jefferson? So it wasn't a declaration of independence. In fact, you know, it's called that later. I mean, after after they wrote it, but it's a, it's essentially a declaration of their intent to take our lands and to cast us as the enemy. Because look, if you're going to declare your independence from, even if you're going to you know fire the shots, if you're, even if you are going to engage in a war with Great Britain, the end goal is that Great Britain leaves. And that, and that you may, but where do we go? So, as Native people, many of which felt like Great Britain was being more honest with us than any of these colonists, we knew how deceitful these guys were. So, many Native territories, Native peoples, the Six Nations, this, this is where the Six Nations even becomes somewhat split on the subject. Many felt like it wasn't just about hedging our bets. And thinking that you know that Great Britain would would uh, would defeat the colonists, it's that our our personal relationships and who is more truthful with us? There was no proclamation uh, by the colonists that like the the you know the Royal Proclamation of seventeen sixty three. In fact, we were told over and over again. In fact, right out of the gate, we would have negotiations, treaties. Candidate Treaty, 1794. Representing George Washington, where, where they say, we acknowledge that your land is yours. 
all that doctrine of Christian discovery stuff, that's not, they didn't hit us with any of that. Oh no, we acknowledge the land is yours and we will never claim your land. Never. Never. Until, until you want to sell it to us. And you have a right to sell it to us. Now, they interpreted that, that, they, that they had gained the exclusive right to buy should we want to sell. But they acknowledged that the lands that we retained, we had the right to retain them and that we will never be disturbed. And today, we get into a 10-hour conversation with every legislator that said, no, our land is not yours. We aren't part of New York State. We aren't part of the United States. You say that and people's, their eyes just wander off. They, they, can't, they can't fathom this idea that, that, that we are still living on land that, 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 we, that, that it's ours. Even though they acknowledge it right out of the gate. Well, a short time after that, they would also have Supreme Courts solve their land title problems with, by codifying the doctrine of Christian discovery into U.S. law. Saying that Native people didn't have the right to possess title to land. Well, that's not what you said in 1794. Why are you saying something different in, in 1823? Your Supreme Court justice is saying that Native people can't hold title to land? When representatives of the President of the United States say they acknowledge that we own land? I mean, this is, this is the hypocrisy. And look, the Declaration of Independence is loaded with it. The U.S. Constitution is loaded with it. Every treaty, every treaty isn't rife with hypocrisy. What it's rife with is, is fraud. Because even as they said these words, they knew they were never going to honor them. They knew they were never going to. They would constantly try to swindle us. They would constantly try to kill us. They would constantly try to eliminate us and create the conditions by which we would cease to exist. That's genocide. July 4th, 1776, 13 colonies became the headliners for the American genocide. They took over the, the genocide of, of indigenous people. They took it over from Great Britain. They took it over from other Europeans. And in fact, they would facilitate other European countries in, in their genocide. That's what, seven, that, that's what July 4th, 1776 means. All right, hey, we're, we're a little bit past the, the bottom of the hour, so we'll take a break and uh, we'll come back. I do, got, I, I do got to talk about the Washington football team, but uh, we'll get to that when we come back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We are talking about July 4th, not their declaration of independence, but their declaration of war. Um, I think it's, again, I don't think people can appreciate what was in their minds. And if you read the Declaration of Independence and, uh, and other you know, historical documents, you know what these guys were after. Most of their complaints um, with, with Great Britain, the king, was that he wasn't giving them free reign to do anything they wanted to do in, in these colonies. I, I, their complaint was about the laws that he wouldn't allow. The, um, you know, look, they, they talk about taxation without representation and all that stuff, but look, that's what Native people uh, are experiencing. That's what many people are, are experiencing. I mean, they, there are U.S. territories 
that have no representation, but they still get the crap tax taxed out of them. I mean, so it's it's amazing, you know, that that little kids in school are still being taught that the revolution was fought over taxation without representation. That is just such a crock that it's. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's not even a significant uh, point or or reason. I mean, it's like lying about the Civil War and suggesting that it wasn't really about slavery. The, the Revolutionary War was fought because there were rich white men that wanted more, and they, uh, and they didn't want to be controlled by the King of England. That's the bottom line. They wanted, they wanted more. They wanted more land. They wanted more money. They wanted more slavery. They wanted, they wanted to make more money. And, and that's that's the bottom line. I mean, and and it's it's written in their the Declaration of Independence. You you can see it if if you're looking for it, you know. And and there there are other historical documents that support the same thing. Clearly, the rhetoric about all men being created equal is bullshit. They didn't mean that. They meant all white men should have. They didn't believe that that they were all equal. They knew that there was a difference between people who who, who had resources and and riches and people who didn't. Look, indentured indentured servitude that um, that wasn't slavery. No, it wasn't slavery. So all of you folks who want to say that I, the Irish were enslaved, that's not true. It's not the same thing. But regardless, they still they they still were um, forced to work for free at least for periods of time. There was no all men created equal. It's crap. It is just a load of crap. And yet, that's what people, they'll read the first couple of lines and that's it. Oh, what a great document. Well, read the whole freaking thing. And don't forget the last part where where Jefferson writes and refers to us as merciless Indian savages. You just can't get past it. And, And that sets a tone. It sets a tone that would last to this very day, look. I, I, I want to shift shift gears. Let, let me uh, give a shout out to my to my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the um, uh, RJE Family of Business. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises. I want to thank uh, the folks at Grand River Enterprises. And look, and I do want to thank those who have helped us in the past. And and on this day that I'm you know that I'm thinking so much about Neville Spring, who was really um, a a a strong supporter of you know of my writing of my posting and of, of of my radio shows and um you know again i used to make weekly or at very least monthly visits out to out to tunnel obviously i haven't you know, since this covid19 thing but um i used to make you know frequent trips out there just to spend time just to sit and talk and you know and many of the conversations that i have whether they're home whether you know whether, even conversations just between jake and i here in studio when we're not uh, uh, you know, putting a show out. These are the these lay the foundation for what I'm going to do the next show on, and and Neville was a big part of that. So I want to thank Neville Spring for enabling this show to not only start but continue for many years. And look, when I had nobody else who would step up, I used to pay um, for airtime. When I had nobody else, Neville was always there. <laughs> I, as I sit here today. The my MacBook that I work that I do my show from or that I, that I, you know that I use during my show was a gift from Neville. I mean, I, I'm still utilizing, um, you know, these 
this this graciousness from from Neville's ring. So again, I want to give a give another shout out to my to my good friend. All right. So the way Facebook works is that something gets you know newsworthy, and then everybody's post floods it. So between Mount Rushmore and the Washington football team, my group pages every other post. And look, I welcome people posting on <laughs> on my pages, but you know, sometimes you know, if you see the identical post, you don't need to post again. But regardless, so all of the talk has been Trump going to Mount Rushmore. Look, I'm, I'm glad people resisted his his visit. Um, you know, unfortunately, the the resistance eh, wasn't quite what it could have been. We could have all organized better. I, I think all of us could have organized better for. For that, but you know, regardless, I think there was enough resistance to to make a point. The news certainly got got what was going on there. But the other big item, and and it's amazing that how the death of George Floyd, the you know the you know the murder, I should say, of George Floyd, the um, the protests, and even the riots associated with Black Lives Matter and police police brutality how that combined with the ongoing battles over confederate statues did manage to include us it did manage to to take aim at columbus statues to take aim at racism not just racism that black people over experience and that's why I, so i said over and over we don't need to put the whole all lives matter or native lives matter Black Lives Matter was something we all needed to support because we would all benefit. And it, the proof is that we have. Now, I'm not celebrating the change of the Washington football team name yet. But I've said it before, and I say it about every high school that, that visits this, this topic. And, and it's not just whether we're being called a racial slur, but any, any misnomer, Indians, warriors, braves, you know, even the words like Mohawk, which aren't, isn't even our word. I mean, the names that we get that are used for this idea of native masketry, turning native people, our culture, some semblance, some resemblance, some, you know, part of who we are, our identities into mascots for, for school teams, for college teams, for pro teams. We... Our issue got carried. It got carried by the Black Lives Matter movement. It got carried by you know by white allies, and they didn't raise this issue. We raised this issue. We have been raising this issue for for over fifty years. It has been an issue, and 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 of course those who oppose us, including some a few native people who, who, who tried to organize and got funded by the Washington football team and some of these other racist organizations. I mean, there's a group called uh, Native American Guardians or Associated, NAGA. And, and it's amazing to me that, that NAGA and MAGA, you know, or the Nagets and the Maggots, that they're, that they're the same. And they're actually the same people. Somehow, the debate over native mascots became a right versus left issue. But I don't want to dance around this thing. All of a sudden, in spite of the fact that we've been trying to raise this as a moral issue for years, for decades, we've challenged the notion of using a racial slur, the, uh, the appropriation of, of Native culture for amusement. The, we, we set the, uh, the dichotomy of, of white kids 
playing Indian while native kids were beaten for hanging on to any semblance of their native identity in residential schools. We talked about L. Frank Baum and his racist um, uh, genocide editorials. We've brought everything to the table and morality and shame could never get it done with people who know no shame and who have no, mor- no morality. I, you know, I talk about, <laughs> again, the Declaration of Independence. So what they fight for? They fought for freedom? Yeah, what did they fight for freedom, freedom from? Freedom from morality. Freedom from responsibility. Freedom that they could take from others and claim for themselves. Well, the mascot issue is that. So, no, shame wasn't going to get it done. Integrity wasn't going to, uh, wasn't going to be a factor. But money? Now you're talking. So, FedEx... The, the parcel carrier, FedEx, they tell the Washington football team, we're not sure we want to sponsor your stadium if you're going to keep a racist name. You should change the name. FedEx said that. Then Nike. Nike says, we can't do this anymore. We're going to, you know, we've made a lot of money off of Washington football gear, redskin gear, but we're not going to do it anymore. Pulled all the stuff that has the, the R word on it. Pulled it all off their shelves. You can't buy a Washington Redskin product from Nike anymore. They, they, they said, no, we're, we're not going to support this. So now we're talking about money here. Pepsi, uh, the, uh, Pepsi Company, they were under a lot of pressure. They, look, they produced Doritos and chips and pop and everything else with all kinds of, with, with the Washington football logo on it. And they were, see, it wasn't even those companies. It was investors in those companies. Investors said, to, and they said it to the, those main three, FedEx, Nike, and Pepsi. And they said, we don't think we can continue to invest in your companies. We'll sell the stock if, you, if you're not going to um, uh, you know, pressure the Washington football team. You guys are tied too closely to a, to a, a sports franchise with a racial slur for a name. So all of a sudden, money is an issue. And then Dan Snyder and the Washington Football Organization, and and and, and let me let me not leave uh, Roger Goodell out of this. Roger Goodell, once money becomes an issue, now all of a sudden he, he's going to try to raise a moral issue. Give me a freaking break! So Roger Goodell tells uh, you know tells the, the Washington Football Team, you guys got to think about this name. It's time has come, and that's what Dan Snyder, the owner of the franchise. Says, well, we've got to. Re- we're going to have to do a thorough review of the name. There's no thorough review. What's there to review? It's a racist name. But to all these other, you know, um, pro teams, um, I've got a few of them here um, <laughs> on my shirt. To all these other pro teams, college teams, and high schools, it isn't just the one word. It isn't just the racial slur. Most of them are misnomers. Finally, we aren't Indians. We aren't from India. We aren't from Indonesia. We aren't from the East Indies. And the fact that somebody decided to call the Caribbean the West Indies, because Columbus, again, is a moron, doesn't mean that we're Indians. We're not. We never refer to ourselves. Now, unfortunately, after you're beaten down with these words, they they do have a tendency to stick. I mean, the Seneca Nation, for, for years called itself the Seneca Nation of Indians. I mean, it is, it's, it's kind of ridiculous that, that anybody would do that. The um, what, uh, Standing Rock 
a bunch of the uh, names of, of these nations either have misnomers like Sioux or Mohawk or Indian or, you know, or tribe. You know, none of those are our words. But they get imposed upon us. And then <laughs> these schools pick up the names and they, and they want to use them for mascots. They want to use them for their nicknames. It's all racist. It's all mockery. And there's no question about that. White people in red face is a mockery. Look, I know people say, well, they don't do it to belittle you. It doesn't matter if you think that you don't have the intent to, to belittle. It's, in, it's insulting. If blackface is insulting and is a racist thing to do, then redface is insulting and a racist thing to do. And, and, you know, and I hate the fact that I've got to make these analogies with the R word and the N word. But it, 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 what pains us is that a certain acknowledgement gets made when other people experience racism, but not when we do. Oh, the, look, Jewish people, which Dan Snyder is Jewish, they built an entire industry out of the Holocaust. I mean, it, it is an industry. And look, nobody would be caught dead. Look, there are TV personalities, radio personalities, sportscasters who have been fired on the spot for making nappy head jokes, for, for, make, for calling a black person a monkey. And yet we've been dehumanized. We get dehumanized every freaking day, every Sunday on, on, uh, on, on television. A racial slur is what, look, and, and I put the guy up from Philadelphia who both, you know, not only does he dress up for Eagles games, but even as a hockey fan, for a Flyers game, this guy would impale a rubber head made up to look like a native person. The, the impaled Indian head. Look it up online. Look it up online. The impaled Indian head. So the guy from Philadelphia it takes a, a plastic sword and rams it through the head, a rubber head, and hoists it up at the games. He hoists it up at the hockey games when they, when they play the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup and when they play the, the Washington football. So he hoists up the impaled Indian head and people cheer it. Not only do people cheer it, the networks will literally take his photograph or video and post him up on television. The Versus Network was covering the Stanley Cup playoffs between the Philadelphia Flyers and the, and the Chicago Blackhawks. And they used this guy during, to, to put up the score. They used him as the background for the graphic or the score as they went to break. That's what they do. So even if you think that, that you are being respectful, it doesn't mean the opponents are. They're impaling an Indian head. And uh, scribed across the face, Redskin, Deadskin. When they played the Blackhawks, Blackhawk, Deadhawk. That's, I mean, and it's not a hate crime. I guarantee if that guy had put a noose around a black head and said, here, I got your RJ3, RG3, he'd have, he'd have been charged. So, the fact that I've got to make these analogies and these comparisons to, uh, you know, to other people. You know, the fact that you wouldn't have a team called the, 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 the niggers or the kikes or the wetbacks or the spicks or the wops or the guineas. The fact that you wouldn't have any of that stuff. And yet you can still say redskin. 
You can still use a misnomer like Indians. So we couldn't shame anybody. All these analogies, all these comparisons to other people. I mean, but again, and I, and I, and I talked about this on previous shows. There's a wave. And, you know, it's, it's, it's too bad that the death of these unarmed black men, you know, going back to, you know, Eric Garner and Tamir Rice and, um, you know, all, all these guys who were killed by, by police. But finally, the straw that breaks the camel's back is in a, is in a city where Native people have experienced racism. I mean, it's, it's the birthplace of AIM. And that's what we experience because of racist acts like mascots. The idea that, I mean, again, can you, let, let me back up again. Can you imagine going to a football game? Imagine being a native person. Imagine being a native person taking your child or, or not kids, my grandson to a football game and seeing a guy dressed up, face covered in, in, in colored paint with an impaled Indian head and hoisting it up on a... Uh, yeah, this guy. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine trying to explain that to your, to your kid? To your grandson? And, you know, and I'm saying imagine as a Native person, but even as a white kid, how do you explain that to a white child? Oh, no, don't worry about that. That's not real. Well, well let's hope not. But what does it represent? I'll tell you what it represents racism it's overt racism so when you tell me that the washington football team is going to do a thorough review of the name just post this picture up post this picture up you don't need to have any more conversation put this picture up and say enough said get rid of the name get rid of all native mascots we are not your mascots Having said that, <laughs> I want to remind people, I do a video that's called We Are Not Your Mascots. So go to uh, our YouTube channel, look for that video. It's a, it's, it's a red background, or a yellow background, I'm sorry. It says We Are Not Your Mascots. But we aren't your mascots. And this is mockery. This is, and, and look, when you see this guy from Philadelphia at the hockey game, there's people smiling all around him. Because it's entertainment. It's fun for them. It's fun to promote this idea of killing a native person, even if it's on a football field. It's fun. It's entertainment. It's amusement. It's not educational. And when I hear anybody, especially when I hear a native person suggest that, well, if you do away with the mascots, then native people will just, they'll just disappear. We'll we'll be completely irrelevant. You think the only way we are relevant is as a a mascot? That, That concept is racist. Because I don't want to be somebody's plaything. I don't want white people playing Indian. I don't want white people impaling Indian heads or touting the, the next trail of tears or the next massacre or making drunken Indian references or reservation references or slaughtering references or hanging references, lynching references. I don't want any of that stuff. In fact, it's inappropriate, just period. And you wouldn't do it to anybody else. I know people say, yeah, well, what about the Notre Dame uh, fighting Irish? The, the, 
The mascot's a leprechaun. They aren't real, folks. Vikings don't exist anymore. Pirates, you know, you're afraid of offending pirates? And, and as far as the whole animal thing, the idea that animals are used for mascots and native people are used for mascots, again, that is literally dehumanizing us. And I'm not suggesting that being compared to animals is a, is a terrible thing because I think in many ways I'd rather be compared to, to an animal than to a, to, to a white racist man any day. But it is by definition the idea of dehumanizing us. So I don't know what's required for a thorough review, but I hope I get the call. I, I would love to testify in some hearing for a thorough review. I doubt it'll happen. But there needs to... And, and look, here's the one thing, I will, final thing I'll say on this before we, we end the show here. The names are going to change. It's just a matter of time. Now, dollars and cents came in, so that kind of pushed this thing forward. But for every high school that is digging in to try to stay on the wrong side of history, shame on you. Shame on you. And of course, you have no shame. But how pitiful. I mean, even in New York State, there, there are two schools and they kind of bury it there are two schools one out near utica one down in this in the southern tier um uh, and they still call themselves the r words the, the redskins and they kind of bury it they you know they'll they'll use a r with feathers on it and kind of like washington does do a little bit but get rid of it i mean grow the freak up i mean get rid of it call yourself something you know, and look, we can all have fun with what your mascot should be based on your racism. You know, I've, I've kind of grown fond of the idea of the Washington Aryans because that's perhaps too true to be, uh, to be used because it is about white supremacy. But back away from it. And look, when, and I saw the coach even weighed in and said, well, we want to make sure that we uh, continue to honor Native Americans and the military. The military's got no place in sports either. In fact, get rid of the freaking flags and the the, the anthems, the, the you know these ridiculous racist representations. Sports is sports. It doesn't have to have flyovers by the military. They don't have to be recruiting tools to, for the military. But you know what? Make fun of your GI Joes. Make fun of your killing machines. Don't try to uh, promote us as killing machines. Not interested. Not your mascot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here on uh, on Tuesday. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.